Hello, I'd like to welcome you all to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. Today we're looking at CO2 compressor technology for a decarbonized energy economy. Now this podcast came from the May issue of Hydrocarbon Processing magazine, and it was written by Klaus Brunn of the Elliott Group. Due to the potential of hydrogen in the context of developing a decarbonized energy infrastructure, Technologies for efficiently producing, transporting, storing, and utilizing it have attracted significant investment. Of the three hydrogen production processes commonly used in an industrial scale, so steam forming, partial oxidation, gasification, and electrolysis, two require hydrocarbons for feedstock and emit significant amounts of carbon dioxide as a byproduct. The outlier, of course, is electrolysis, which requires only water and an electric power source and can be powered by renewable energy. Steam reforming and partial oxidation gasification, by contrast, are complex chemical processes that convert a fossil fuel like natural gas or coal into hydrogen, carbon monoxide, and other compounds. Now, due to the low cost of fossil fuels in corresponding plant process equipment, 98% or more of hydrogen now produced is derived using one of these two methods. Converting natural gas to hydrogen is a proven, relatively inexpensive process particularly in North America, where natural gas is abundant. Even were gas prices to rise, the conversion of coal to hydrogen would still be both commercially viable and less expensive than electrolysis. Therefore, the most realistic path to decarbonization involves the sequestration of CO2 emitted during the hydrogen production process, rather than its elimination. As such, three important gas streams must be managed, even in a decarbonized economy. Number one, the production of natural gas, followed by its transportation to a site where it can be converted into hydrogen. Number two, the transport of hydrogen to its end-use site, either an industrial facility or a power plant. And number three, the transport of CO2 to an appropriate geological sequestration and in-storage site. Now, these gas streams will require substantial compression. As the complexities of both natural gas and hydrogen compression have been extensively covered elsewhere, this podcast is chiefly concerned with solutions for the compression and transport of carbon dioxide. While carbon dioxide compression has been successfully undertaken for many years as part of acid or sour gas injection and enhanced oil recovery projects, the scale-up required for carbon separation and sequestration in a decarbonized hydrogen scenario would challenge even technologies now considered state-of-the-art. Because of this, a need exists for new CO2 compression applications for separation, transport, and storage injection. Now, The pressure of CO2 gas separated from the newly produced hydrogen is strongly dependent on the type of separation process utilized. As such, it can vary from only slightly above atmospheric pressure to several hundred psi. Additionally, Significant uncertainty surrounds geological formation injection pressure, since it depends strongly on the type of formation and its drilled depth of injection. The general accepted rule, however, is that for each kilometer of depth of injection, about 1,150 psi of gas pressure is required. Since many of the geological formations presently under considerations for CO2 storage are relatively shallow, Injection pressure below 2,000 psi should be expected to occur frequently. Now, a typical carbon separation and storage pressure application requires CO2 to be compressed from below 50 psia 
to above 2100 PSIA. Now, many viable thermodynamic path options, including refrigeration and liquid pumping, near isothermal and high pressure ratio compression, exist to move this compression process from start to its endpoint. Put differently, the available options are to compress the CO2 and remain in the gas state on the right side of the vapor dome, refrigerate the CO2 and pump it in the liquid state on the left side of the dome, or utilize some combination of these methods. So let's talk about CO2 sequestration and storage. For most power plant carbon capture and sequestration applications, the following new compression duties are required. So one, pipeline header injection and recompression transport. Two, injection into geological storage reservoirs for sequestration. Number three, separation processes, membrane, thermal, or chemical. And number four, power plant cycle compression. So according to industry convention, CO2 is a supercritical fluid above 2,100 PSI should be transported in pipelines. At 2,100 PSI, CO2 is well above its critical point and will be supercritical at almost all ambient temperatures. Fluids in a dense phase share some physical properties of liquids, such as a very low compressibility. They also share some physical properties of gases and will expand in space to fill voids. The advantage of transporting CO2 at supercritical pressures, therefore, is that its density does not change much with pressure. From a thermodynamic perspective, it is essentially pumped rather than compressed. This significantly reduces the power demand for the pumping stations along a CO2 pipeline. There are two disadvantages, however, the added injection compression ratio required at the pipeline header station and the significantly higher material costs when building a pipeline designed for maximum allowable operating pressure above 2,100 PSI. Since the CO2 available from separation is at a low near-atmospheric pressure, so less than 100 PSI, the pipeline header station must always use a compressor. For a 2,100 PSI CO2 pipeline, a high-pressure ratio header compressor with many intercooled stages will be needed to handle the significant volume reduction. In such a case, however, beyond the header station, the gas is simply pumped. Fortunately, transport at 2,100 PSI is not required for all applications. The actual transport pressure of CO2 depends on the separation process outlet starting pressure, the distance the CO2 must be transported, and the geological sequestration injection pressures, which is often well below 2,100 PSI. If a lower pressure CO2 pipeline is utilized, conventional compressors are preferred to the header station and for recompression along the line. The transport pressure is selectable depending on the carbon sequestration application. It is not always advantageous to go with supercritical CO2. Purely from a compression stage thermodynamic perspective, CO2 is a heavy gas but relatively easy to compress. That ease notwithstanding, CO2 presents several technical challenges that must be addressed to make its compression or pumping process efficient and reliable. Those include the following. Most equations of state for CO2 are still inaccurate at high pressures and temperatures. CO2 is a heavy gas, resulting in amplified rotor dynamic and impeller dynamic forces. CO2 has a strong thermodynamic path dependence and multiphase behavior. CO2 forms carbonic acid in the presence of water, which then drives corrosion. CO2 is soluble in 
elastomeric materials, which can lead to rapid decompression failures. When rapidly expanded, CO2 quickly forms liquids and dry ice, which can be a problem at the shaft seals. CO2 has a low sonic speed, which results in higher shock losses and reduced operating range. And lastly, CO2 selectivity leaches certain elements from common metals and has a very low viscosity at high pressures. Now, all of these represent manageable, if complex, engineering and design challenges. So now let's take a look at the compression and pumping options. So CO2 has a high pressure ratio per compressor impeller stage. Because of this, it also has a significant specific volume decrease with pressure along with a very high heat of compression. This means that CO2 heats up when compressed and requires a stage intercooling to maintain the gas temperature at reasonable levels so as not to damage the compressor seals and bearings. Furthermore, because of its rapid density change with pressure, a significant flow volume reduction requires a wide range of aerodynamic high-to-low flow compression stages. Now, the following types of compressors are typically considered for high pressure ratio carbon sequestration applications. So there's reciprocating, screw, centrifugal barrel, centrifugal horizontally split, integrally geared, and a hybrid centrifugal with dense phase pump. Since both reciprocating and screw compressors are severely flow-limited, in practice they cannot be used for large-scale carbon sequestration applications. The other options all rely on proven centrifugal compressor or pump impellers and differ primarily in their layouts and stage arrangements. The best configuration for the application type under discussion is either an intercooled barrel straight-through centrifugal compressor with a dense phase pump or an integrally geared intercooled compressor. Both arrangements require seven to eight compression or pumping stages with intercoolers between them to meet the specified compression ratio. Industry opinions vary as to which is the better selection. Both arrangements have pros and cons depending on operating conditions and range, application specific standards, plant type, maintenance expectations, and service cycle. So the two designs that were discussed represent the most promising options, but they're not the only ones. Several other machinery solutions for compression and pumping of CO2 are commercially available, such as the multi-stage barrel centrifugal compressor or the horizontally split centrifugal compressor. In both cases, two casing section intercoolers and one discharge cooler are required to avoid overheating and achieve efficient CO2 compression. Typical operating conditions for these machines range from less than 50 PSIA for suction pressures to more than 1,100 PSIA for discharge pressures. At 1,100 PSIA, the compressor discharge gas will be in the supercritical state, meaning that after cooling the CO2 can be fed directly into the dense phase pump for higher pressure pipeline transport or storage injection. Although the technical challenges of CO2 compression are often application specific and must be individually addressed for new carbon sequestration technologies, a wide toolkit is available for further development as necessary. Again, we want to thank you for listening to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column.